Welcome. This is Beyond the Illusion. In this episode, we have a conversation with Darlene Green. Darlene is the author of a set of books called In Service to Love, which she describes as a bridge between living life as a human having a spiritual experience and living life as a spiritual being having a human experience. Darlene generously shared a portion of the most recent book in the series with us, and it was just incredible. It was so good and poetic that it reminded me of the Law of One channelings that are so dear to me. And now I'm really looking forward to reading the entire set of In Service to Love. We talk about a number of deep and important topics with Darlene, and I love some of the analogies she uses to describe a few very practical techniques on how to get in touch with your I am presence, or as I like to call it, your higher self. There's even a part of the conversation where she talks about how to dance the ladder of frequency. And those are the kind of things that I'm always grateful for when we talk to our guests. These little pieces of information always surprise me, not only because they're unexpected, but also because they're useful to my everyday life. Now, let's go to the conversation with Darlene Green, Tiana Roser, and myself, Tim Howe. books at least that's what i saw on your website can you tell us a little bit about those books oh there's a lot behind the books that are the series of in service to love there are 60 years behind that and it began actually on december 26th of 2017 i'd never intended to write a book and the work came to me and requested to be written so it sounds a little bit like, you know, one of the Zen's sayings of what's the sound of one hand clapping when I say that. But it, on one hand, it is a culmination of a life's work and a soul mission. And on the other hand, it is the expression of my soul's mission. So how I began to write these books, I'd been a, a student of spirituality, an avid student, since, let's say, about 1983. And I went into it head first. I had always felt, even you know, as a young child, I had felt a deep sense of mission. At age four, I remember having a conversation with what I knew to be my counsel. And it sounded, and it was very natural, and doesn't everybody. And then at times in my life, I would hear the voice of the counsel, and that would guide me in particular ways in my life. Once I began my spiritual journey on purpose, like when I actually made the declaration that I choose to explore spirituality and see what that's all about. I began to open up to experiences of visions and spiritual connection that were pretty extraordinary, but they all felt like they were parts of a puzzle. And I'm getting back around to the books here in just a second here, because all of this whole journey led me to a culmination on December 26th of 2017, when I awoke to a profound spiritual experience where I was, it's, it's an experience that's hard to place into words, but it was an experience of almost being lifted up. I was in the presence of masters, Jesus, the archangels, the Elohim, Buddha, Mary Magdalene, Melchizedek, and many more that I didn't even see, that I couldn't recognize, that I hadn't seen before. But they all had a common experience for me, and it was the presence of love. So I was enveloped in this profound experience of rapture, like lifted up. And the message was, the actual words were 365 be the light, 365 be the light, 365 be the light. And I was like lifted to down the hall and going to my computer. So what this was, was a 
was an invitation to sit with the masters that comprise the Council of Light and sit and write with them for a year. In Service to Love initially started out as a journal. And I was sitting down every day with the Council of Light. And I was not only student, but I was scribe. I was writing down the words that I heard, the words that I felt and experienced. I was translating light and consciousness into and frequency into words. And so as I sit with them, I was being taught how to be able to do that more effectively. And I was receiving these words and concepts and foundation. So what in, what in service to love is, um, what I see now as I step back from this most extraordinary year of experience and an honor, it was an honor and privilege to be able to participate in this. And it's something I still don't even quite understand. It keeps on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But what I see that this body of work represents is a bridge between living our life as a human being that has spiritual experiences and a spiritual being having a human experience. And so I had been a student of spirituality for so long, but my experience was that I have such a high level of sensitivity and empathic and clairaudient and clairvoyant and, and I had been my whole life. So I'm highly, highly sensitive, but it lived in my life, like almost like separate somehow it contributed to my life for sure, but it lived in my life, almost like something that was separate. Like when you, like when you turn a light on and off. So for example, I'd be at home and I'd be you know, doing errands, going to work, doing what it is that I do in my life. And then I would go to a women's meeting and have this incredible spiritual experience, or I did some shamanic work, or I, I did some work with A Course in Miracles. And then I would come back home again, and I was contributed to by my experiences. But somehow they, they lived as separate tracks. So what this body of work has done, what my experience of this has been, is that it has offered a vehicle for me to be able to actualize those things that I have learned on my spiritual journey into the moments of my life in a way that alters my perspective so profoundly that I am aligned for the most part, with my I am self. And so I have access, when I don't get in my own way, I have access to a my divine knowing. So at the beginning of this body of work, there were foundational concepts that were offered that they were presented as possibilities. Consider this as a possibility. What happens when you take the diamond that is you that has many, many, many facets and you gently turn that diamond and look through the facet, through a different facet and perspective shifts. And so I learned about my own limitations of humanity, how it is we create our belief systems and how our belief systems then ultimately can become our trap. And that as we gradually can embrace some new, new perspectives, and this is really what I see the whole process of, of consciousness transformation and enlightenment is, it's like opening up to some new perspectives. So was that a process that happened over however long it took to um, complete the first book? Or was it something that got activated in this big experience that you had in December 20? Six, mm -hmm. 2017. Um, I'm thinking that it started my whole life. I have always had this deep sense of mission and I have done, you know, the spiritual studying and I mean, you name it for the, I mean, I've done it over 35 years. I did energetic healing work. I'm a Reiki master. I worked in clinical settings doing that work. I mean, I, and I thought that I had found it. I thought the it, I thought that I had found it then. 
but there was always this other calling. And internally, I would always get, yes, and. And the and meant that I'm not done looking. Continue your search. So that led me to the moments of December of December 26th. And so in service to love is 366 days of me sitting with the council of light. And each book is 122 days of the writings. You know how you were mentioning that the separation between being the human that has a spiritual experience or just recognizing and experiencing yourself as spirit being here human and not having that separation. Mm -hmm. Is that something that someone who reads your book will open to through the experience of reading your book? Or is that something that because you had this unique experience that happened to you on December 26th that just opened for you, but may not be so readily available to others? I hear what you're saying. What I've found is that that same experience is available through uh, for the reader that chooses to engage. The interesting thing, one of the fascinating things that I learned about in this whole process was about creation, that the higher and more, I want to say pure, but that's not even it, the more laser-like that we can get in connection with the whole process of I'll say high frequency, the higher frequency of the inception or the creation of something, that creation then holds the same frequency as was available at the inception. So for example, if somebody is creating something that is driven by ego, by density, makes perfect sense to me then that what it is that they create holds that same frequency. So because, and this is my assessment, my assessment and my experience of it, because of the unique experience of at the inception of this body of work, that same high frequency is available to the reader. Now the reader has an has an opportunity about how to be able to engage the body of work for themselves. There's a little something at the beginning of the book that says, when you're ready, there is an invitation placed upon your altar that when you are ready and you say, yes, we will begin. And what that looks like or feels like to the reader, as I, I have shared this whole body of work, as it was coming out every day, I was sharing it with my family and my friends, like you can't believe what happened last night. And so what their experience was of this body of work, the feedback I was getting was that this body of work was meeting them also where they are at. It would move with them in their particular path. So the picture that I would get from the Council of Light is one like if you have a tomato, a tomato plant, and you plant that tomato plant in the dirt, you know, outside. And then you have a tomato plant that you plant in a greenhouse. The tomato plant that is in the greenhouse is steeped in an environment that supports the tomato to be the best tomato that it is. See, and that's what my experience has been with people that were reading this body of work prior to it being published. And it makes sense to me because of the the extraordinary experience that was present at the inception of this body of work. Yeah, that's, it's funny because um, I want to go back to something you said at the very beginning of our conversation. Mm -hmm. I usually do this before I write down my questions for any of our guests. I sit down and, well, I've recently started doing this and I've found that it works pretty good, is that I sit down and I meditate and then whatever comes into my mind, you know, I write it down, whether it makes sense or not. And so mm -hmm. the very first question that came up for you was, did you have any strange experiences as a child? And I thought that was an odd question to come up. But the first one of the first things you said was that you had this really profound experience when you were four years old. Mm -hmm. And I'm just kind of curious, like, what do you remember about that? And did that stay with you throughout your childhood? And, and did you explain that to your parents or anything? Yes, four years old was the first 
experience that I remember. I mean, it, and I remember it as if it was yesterday. Christmas Day, my twin sister and I were four years old. I remember exactly what we got for Christmas. We were living in Winnipeg, Look, and I was looking out the window, the big living room window out into the snow, sunny day, and the, and the light was dancing off the snow like diamonds. And I said to myself, why am I here? This is just a crazy place to be. There's so much confusion and, and upset. And what am I doing here? Why am I here? And the answer that I heard is if somebody was standing right there beside me, the words that I heard physically were to make people happy. So at four years old, that had to be enough to, you know, to satisfy that internal question in the moment. So there were moments as I was growing up that I was talking to my sister about this just a couple of days ago, that now all of these pieces are falling into place. I remember my grandmother who had passed. I sit bolt upright and in the middle of the night, and there she is standing at the edge of my bed. I remember the experience of um, when I was in college, I was having coffee with a friend of mine. I was in conversation with him, and then I lost. I had no idea what happened in that conversation, except that I knew I was talking. And it was about three hours, and I had no idea what happened. It was a profound experience for him, and he said that it was all about agape. So I'm thinking that what I had done is that I was channeling at that point. It was when I really had started to... So I had a high level of sensitivity, and I was like living with antenna on, I was always like really introverted. So these experiences I had, I internalized them. I didn't experience life as thoughts. I experienced life as sensing and feeling. And so life hit me right, kind of right at my solar plexus. And it wasn't until junior high when I had a thought like, oh, maybe I could move it in up to my head and have a, th- have a thought about something. So I I internalized everything. And that tends to be still a pattern that I have, although, I mean, that's a default pattern is that I'll, I'll internalize something. So it wasn't something that came into my awareness where I would ask my parents or anything. So when you were writing these books, I'm assuming a lot of this was just the channeled material that was coming through you. Mm -hmm. And do you ever remember going back over the, what you've written down and, and not remembering writing that down, but seeming like it's new to you? Or was it all like that? I would say it's pretty much all like that. It's fascinating because even though I've, I've written it and at times I will remember like when I read a section, I will remember having received it and having written it at the time, but I am somehow centered and like re-gifted with it when I go over it again. I don't even know how to describe that or the why of that. I am so inextricably connected with this and it seems timeless and it expands. It's as though it meets me every time when I read it, it meets me in a new, in a new space as well. Now there was one thing that you had mentioned about, you know, writing down questions. And I did that also just as I was waiting for our call to start. Oh, wow. I wrote down, I I connected with the council and I wrote down what they said. Oh. And there was three little things. And the first one is possibility does not reside within a set belief system. So what that means is, and I'm making a bit of a, a bit of a right turn here or left turn, but it just felt like the right time to, to bring that up. And so what that what is beyond behind that message is that when we hold a belief system that is so strong that it defines our life what is not available within that is possibility because possibility resides in a space that we don't quite yet have when we're looking for possibility we're looking for something new to contribute to our life not a reworking of the old 
And that's so, a great message for right now, given that everything is so polarized and divisive. That's a great message to maybe help people kind of shift away from this side or that side and kind of move into a different space. That is it. So, so listen to these other two little things. You are right on the practice, Tiana. So the next one says that that shows that by taking a look at our belief system, that that shows the power of perspective as in possibility doesn't exist within a set, within a set framework right? You're only taking a look at puzzle pieces, maybe in different orders, but you aren't accessing possibility. The new paradigm asks for an internal paradigm shift. The suggestion is to consider where do I in my life get so connected with my belief systems that I cannot and may not access possibility. In this time that we are in, the picture that I keep on getting internally about the time that we are in right now is one of an earthquake where you have the tectonic plates that have been building up pressure over decades, thousands of years, right? Building up pressure. And finally, at one point, that pressure can no longer be contained and one side must move over the next, right? Because we are in a new paradigm, this new paradigm is asking us to show up in our life in a new way and consider the possibility of what would another, what would an, another more expansive belief system look like? If I move to the space of I don't know, if I began to live in the space of I don't know, what can become available that I don't have access to right now? And so that came to me as being powerful questions to, to ask and to consider right now. Yeah, that really speaks to me. I think that it's true. We get caught in these cycles of, or these patterns of thinking that kind of put a barrier around us in a way so that we're not able to see the possibilities like you were saying. And, um, I, I feel that in my own life. I really do. I feel like, um, I've had this conversation with a few people over the past few days and weeks is, you know, like, Hey, I don't, I don't think things are going to go back to how they were. Some people have a hard time with that. I think, you know, I don't personally, but I don't feel like it is going to go back to the way it is. Cause I don't think it can, you know, I think it's like, like you were saying, there's this paradigm shift happening and for me, at least, it's really hard to picture what it's going to be like. You know, I'm open to to what it is. I feel like it's a, a positive change in many ways, you know, everything that we're going through right now. But, um, but yeah, I, I love that. That was really great. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. But if you take a look that everything evolves, we have to move, that we are the ones that have expectations that are out of alignment and we expect life to stay the same, that we evolve, that this is not, that the paradigm shift is not just for our environment, it's for us. And that when, you know, and I was thinking about the normal also initially when all of this happened and, you know, I'm in Washington state and we, you know, everything began to, to close down and I was experiencing a lot of my, a lot of my own fear. And I ended up going through a state of grieving what was, because there was a sense that that is never coming back again. There was a hope that maybe it might, but I don't see that that's occurring. And you know what? The thing is that there's something greater that is available for us out of all of this uh, out of this process, that there is a new way of of living, a new way of of life that is becoming possible, and that I see the polarization that is so prevalent right now as really being the um, like the labor pains of this new paradigm. And so, what what I have learned from this body of work, with you know, over my life, I guess. And with the connection that I have with the Council of Light, is that now is a time to really become conscious, 
that this new paradigm is requiring and inviting a new each one of us, that each one of us chose to be here for purpose. There is no accident that we are here. And so if we can begin to consider that our, we already know how to live, our, we know how to do this, we've got this, but it requires us being willing to experience something new. So the picture that I keep on getting is that, is that the perspective of um, the frequency bandwidth of division is like, like this, okay? That resolution of that division does not reside within that frequency bandwidth. That it's like, it's like we must raise our frequency, get up above that bandwidth in order to get clarity. And each one of us will have the clarity that is right and perfect and unique for each one of us to be able to move forward. But being able to have the distinction that that's even possible right now, I think, is, is a real powerful thing. Yeah, one of the messages from your website or from your books said, love is not passive. And I really like that, this idea of thinking of love in this active way, like you're saying that right now that we all need to be conscious and be active. And I think that when we know that everything is love, then we're not afraid of change because everything is love and we're safe. And but so many people haven't accessed that or don't know how to access that or don't believe that's possible. And so I, I, I appreciate how you're giving this unified message in many different ways to help people to access that within themselves. Absolutely. Thank you. One of the first messages, one of the first concepts that I got that was just prior to this body of work coming through was who I am is source and form, who we all are is source and form. And I think I was doing some work with Esther Hicks and I had attended a couple of her seminars here in Seattle. And I heard um, Abraham say a number of times who you are is source and form. And so I took that in and I thought, yep, yep. I agree with that. I, I can get my arms around that. And then there was a day when that actually hit me and the experience was like lightning running through my body. Oh my goodness, who I am is source and form. What does that mean? Oh my goodness, what does that mean? And the answer that I got was there are no barriers. There are no barriers to accessing our I am self. There is no barriers to accessing our everything about our divine wisdom. And the message of in service to love is that who you already are is enlightened. You already are it. This is not something that you need to earn or go through, as Rumi would say, the threshing floor of love. You already are it, beloved. Remember who you are. So it's really about, in service to love is about offering perspective shifts that allow a new view to become available that gives us an opportunity to create a new expanded sense of beliefs where we can begin to consider that who I am already is, is source in form. So when who we already are is love, the whole process of enlightenment is what is it then that gets in the way? And it's the revealing of, and so when I sit down and I write in service to love, or when I sit down and I meditate, what I, one of the things that I do is that I have a sacred altar in my mind. And I go to that altar and I say, what may I leave at this altar today that no longer serves me? What may I place upon the altar that I don't see right now, but is a limitation to my moving forward? Oh, that's really good. Yeah, I like that. So are you like hanging out with the Council of Light all day long, just chatting it up? Or, <laughs> or do you have like a special process that you use to connect to them at certain times? Or It makes me want to cry because I do hang out with them all the time. They're present right here, right now with me. 
And so that's been a process over the over the years that has become more finely developed as I've been able to release, what do you mean I'm having a conversation with masters? <laughs> and then I would be writing and I'm, I'm writing and words would be flowing through my hands. And I'm thinking, I am making all of this up. <laughs> this is crazy right here. And then I would read it and I'd go, oh my goodness, that is. And so I've been in this process of you know, my humanity questioning this whole, this whole process, but after in service to left. So I still write with the council of light. And so after day 366 of in service to love, I was still continuing to write. Everything evolves. And as they say, as masters, we evolve. We are with you. Get to know us now. We are with you right now. And so they evolve as well. So the Council of Light and the masters that are part of that has evolved to um, not identifying the individual masters to being a collective that's, that signs love, that is love. And it has shifted from the Council of Light to source. And it is, it's available. And so uh, it's present for me right now when I, when I ask, love, are you present? Immediately I hear, I am right beside you. I am with you now. You know, you were saying a minute ago about, you were talking about our divineness and the enlightenment that, that's already there, that, that we already have, and that we already are. And I've also been thinking about that a lot recently, and, and I do believe that, and I have had brief glimpses of that experience of being that. And, and it makes me wonder if I really need to do all this other stuff that I really do all the time with a lot of uh, consist, I try to be consistent and I, I put some, somewhat some pressure on myself even to, to meditate and to, you know, just to have a, um, a ritual of, of, of just spirituality really just to try to connect with myself. And it's almost like I'm trying to do something that, that I already have, you know, that's like, I sometimes wonder like, what even is the point of that? So it's, it's good to hear you say that, that we already are. Cause I do believe that. And, and I do try to live in that as much as I can, even though it's really hard sometimes, but, um, yeah, I, that is a personal belief of mine that I do mm -hmm. try to hold on to is that we are already very divine and, and enlightened beings. And, and, um, we just have to remember that. I think what happens is a lot of us, we resist that. And we, like you said, we put up these barriers to, or these limitations that aren't even really real, but, but we believe they are. Mm -hmm. And they're informed by the perspective that we hold. So if we're willing to take a look at the possibility of a new perspective, then something new is going to show up. One of the foundational concepts that's in book one I think it shows up in book one, but it shows up in book two as well, has to do with the gradient scale of light that we as human beings have access to all, grade, all grades of light. So it showed up for me as being described like a, like a watercolor, like you know how a painter will do scales of color. To me, it showed up like uh, a palette of dark, 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 dark blue, it's so blue, it looks black. And then, and then every little square next to it would be as you add light or as you add white to it, it gets a little bit lighter and a little bit lighter and a little bit lighter and a little bit lighter until the other end of the spectrum is so white, is so it doesn't even look blue anymore, right? Can you imagine that spectrum? So if you, if you can consider that each one of those spaces on that gradient scale possess a, a perspective that defines everything that is available within that viewpoint. So for example, if you're in, if you're in the perspective of navy blue, or this is like a shirt I'm wearing is like a cobalt blue. If you're in the perspective of cobalt blue, you're only going to be seeing cobalt blue. If you're in the perspective of baby blue, then all you're going to see is that baby blue, if you're in the perspective of the I am, if you're in the perspective of the white, then all you're going to be able to see is the white. 
So enlightenment is also where we place our awareness. So if you can imagine how it feels being in the density of like a, of a cobalt blue, and then move your awareness to the density or the lightness of the I am presence that resides at the opposite end of the scale, then possibility opens up. The restrictions, all of a sudden life seems to get a little bit easier. I read on on your site an expression that was learn to dance the ladder of frequency. Is that what you were referring to or is that something different? It's definitely tied into it. All of these things are kind of like uh, taking a snapshot at different angles of the same topic to be able to develop like a richness. This is what I see. So a lot of them have similarities and overlapping like visualizations for me. So that gradient scale is also going to be applying to uh, to frequency too, because the frequency, as you move up and you add more light, you add more light. So as you add more light, you're releasing the resistance. Does that make sense? You release the resistance until you experience a space where there is no more resistance. And so that is a very, very high frequency space, right? Our highest frequency space is the presence of our I am. If we can also begin to think about frequency as we move through our day, there was another visualization that I had about frequency as we move through our day. And that is to imagine yourself, if you want to feel the difference of shifting your frequency like that, and this is the part of learn to dance the ladder of frequency, because I get messages all times of day and night. And that was one that just resonated through me for a number of days. And it's like, wow, that sounds like fun. Um, So what I got was a lot of exercises around being able to shift our frequency. So one of them is if you can imagine yourself in a hot air balloon and the hot air balloon, you're in the basket and the hot air balloon is tethered to the ground. And inside the hot air balloon is ballast. There's the sandbags, right? So when you want to consider what it feels like to begin to shift your own frequency. Imagine then that the uh, tethers to the basket of the hot air balloon are being, are being cut. So now you have a sense of buoyancy. Now you may choose to release the bags of sand and drop them off the, off the outside of the basket. Now consider that the weight that you hold may be a restrictive belief. It's the way that I hold on to my past. It's burdens of of trauma that I have held. It's anything that is a resistance to to the full expression of my I am self can be considered ballast that may you may choose to drop over the edge because you can't take the weight. You can't take the weight of cobalt blue to white. So you must release something in order to shift your frequency. So you release the weight and then you'll feel yourself being higher and higher and higher and elevated and less burdened. And you see in the experience of being less burdened is authentically who it is that we are. Then we get closer to our, to our own essential expression. We get closer to our own I am self. And my experience is that I feel more and more and more like me. I'm not feeling like anybody else. I'm not feeling like I'm sitting on a cloud all the time. I have to say that my experiences are certainly maybe, well, actually, I think we all have access to it. We all have access to it in our own unique, in our own unique version that I think that this, that that each one of us has our own version of whatever this is for me that that's available for each one of us. And I would go as far as to say that that's why you came here. You came here to be able to find that, to be able to live from that divine connection. And when we're, when we're, when we each have our own connection with our I am self, that is no longer burdened by the weight of our belief systems and everything else by the past or concerns of the future, then what has been revealed to me is that we have access to our own divine essence and that the experience of enlightenment is the balance between the beauty of our humanity and the innovation and the wisdom and the light of our divinity. 
And when we experience that, we are, we are enlightened. So the path is not, you know, I'm going to go to the cave of the Him- in the Himalayas and I'm going to sit there for a couple of years. It's not about that anymore. It's about me finding me right here and learning one of the principles of learning to dance the ladder frequency is a valuable tool because it brings consciousness to our day. And when I can begin to choose something consciously, that is a powerful, powerful move. Conscious choice creates and manifests like that. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you brought up the, uh, the hot air balloon exercise. Mm-hmm. So in your books, do you have more exercises like that? Because I could see that actually being a really powerful exercise to go through like you were describing dropping off the sand, like letting go of a limitation and actually doing that practice would probably be pretty useful. I would imagine. Um, yeah, because I've, you know, I've done similar things to that and, and had really profound experiences doing that. So I could see, you know, going through exercises like that being really good. Yeah, there are, um, exercises, meditations, there are light infusions, But what I have to say about this is that all of this, it's not linear. It's almost like a patchwork. And my experience of it is that it was almost like a a patchwork where, you know, one day the frequency will be close to me and another time it'll be like way out there. And then another time it's, you know, way a different direction. So the, the reading of this is not a linear experience, but that's by design because it connects with different parts of us. And so the exercises all hold, they hold a frequency. And I have to say that my experience of this is that every single step of this is in reverence and honor for who it is that we are. The masters of In Service to Light say, this is not about us. We turn the mirror to you so that you may see the reflection of your own divinity. And every single step of this is an invitation. So once somebody starts reading in service to love, doesn't necessarily mean that they are in for the all out, you know, hike up the enlightenment mountain. It's a long bus ride that you can get off wherever you choose, but wherever it is that you choose to express, wherever you choose to stay or to be or to practice, you'll feel less burdened. You'll feel um, more like you, more space for joy, more space for clarity, more space for, for peace. And right now at the time that we are in, wow, I see more clearly every day the need for the internal paradigm shift within us. Yeah, for sure. I, I like what you said uh, earlier about holding a certain frequency at the inception point of creating something. I feel like that actually is really important and it's probably really important right now for people to remember that, you know, like if they do decide to make a change in their life that, you know, it's coming from a place inside of themselves that is really authentic. And I think people are going to, at least me, I've had to do some soul searching to figure that out. If the world's really never going to go back to how it was and, I can't go back to how I was. So how am I going to live from this point forward? And I think, you know, it's not something to take lightly. I think, like you said, it's probably have to be in that frequency that you want to be at, you know, when you make that kind of decision. And um, it's kind of like this podcast, you know, I feel like when we started this podcast, there was a real genuine interest in just putting something out there that would help people. And I feel like that's why people like you find us, you know, because it's been really kind of weird how all the people that we've had on seem to be really in alignment with Tiana and myself. So, Mm -hmm. well, that's what I felt. I felt this. I felt this um, immediate connection with you, with you both when I was listening to your first program. And I can feel that that you are both also in service to love in your own beautiful, perfect unique way but it is so clear it just i i feel it i feel the essence uh, of that just radiating from you and so when i'm when i'm speaking to you it feels like i'm home 
because it feels like we're we're connecting with this same light intention and expression. And I, I think it's absolutely beautiful. Thank you know, you. beginning to take a look at life no longer tethered from the past, that the relationship between the past and where we are now is worthy of focus and attention and developing some clarity around that. Living life from the now moment will ease up this whole process of transition into a new paradigm. It's like if I'm holding the weight of the way that life used to be, if I'm yearning for a life that I used to actually know about and for the things that I really enjoyed doing, for the things that I loved and cherished about my life from before, that creates a weight and a level of resistance that drags on me and doesn't allow me to be well, the word that's coming to me is deft. Move deftly. It doesn't allow me to move deftly in my, in my life right now. That this paradigm shift is also inviting us to become present in our life. And that's a part of a shift no, to no longer being able to trust what's happening outside of us, right? So no longer having our life be created from an external influence. And now... It's about being internally referenced, no longer externally referenced because we all we see around us is the chaos, right? So now life, we have the opportunity now for life to become internally referenced. So beginning to address life from that new perspective is going to allow us to have power and creativity and connect with our inspiration moving forwards. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. It's something that Tiana says a lot, actually. It's like whatever's on the inside, that's actually what is expressed in the outer world, too. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it, it does. I saw that you had created something called a conscious conversation, and I wanted to mm-hmm. kind of learn more about that and why you created that. Well, I got a message from the Council of Light, and I was just finishing up book three. Book three is now at the publisher. So that'll be out within the next couple of weeks. Um, So that had been my initial focus. I was singular on getting that complete. But before that was complete, I woke up with a message and it said, we're going to have a new conversation. We're going to have set up a conscious conversation because I've been so internal actually for five years, since 2015, I have not read books. I have not listened to podcasts. I have not listened to teachers. It was in 2015 that I started to get the idea that who I am is a scribe. So I haven't been paying attention to anything. So a conscious conversation is a way of allowing other people into the communication that I have with the Council of Light. And so what I was saying is that my life has been so internal that now is a time for me also to shift my expression and to become external with this body of work. And so a conscious conversation is an opportunity for people if they choose to participate is to go to my website, which is darlenegreenauthor.com. And when you sign on to the mailing list and you can express an interest also for participating in the conscious conversation. So that is something that I will be starting here within the next couple of weeks. And it will, what I'm getting right now is it's going to be two times a month and I will post that. And so for, it'll be a zoom call and it'll be an opportunity to have a conversation that's conscious. And what I'm getting right now about that is that I will, is that there will be a subject matter that will be a topic that day and um, we'll talk about that but it's a way of being met in a conversation of high frequency that when we're met in a conversation of high frequency we are elevated and that is another way to be of service so that is coming and I'm really excited about that another thing now that I just got book three to the publisher now I also have the time to be able to complete an ebook that I'm creating as well for people that sign on my website, which is called Learn to Dance the Ladder of Frequency, because it's really a pivotal concept in the process of consciousness transformation and enlightenment. That's cool that you're offering that for people. I think that's going to be a really great way for people to engage more with you and the content and these 
um, ideas. Conscious conversation. It's a way to be met. The, the invitation with the Council of Light is to step up. And on one hand, it's a strong message around take responsibility for who you are. Who you are is source and form. Are you living the life that is worthy of you? You're invited to take your place at the table and meet us eye to eye, divine to divine, and peer to peer. Yeah, that's really good words to uh, to leave on because actually we're, we're right at an hour now and this conversation's been great. So thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. Oh, thank you. I've enjoyed every moment of it. Good. Is there anywhere that people can go to find your books or find out more about you? Certainly. My website is Darlene, that's D-A-R-L-E-N-E, and then green, just like the color. So DarleneGreenAuthor.com. And that website will have information around my social media pages and also conscious conversation. And, and I will be posting things that I get from the council of light. So check on my, my social media pages as well for updates and pieces of information that are, that are coming out as well. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you. I just love being able to have the opportunity to share in service to love and to be able to connect with others of, of like mind also. And, and I honor you on your path as well. Thank you so much. Thank All you right. for honoring us with your time and your message and your energy and your vibration. Appreciate it. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. I'd like to say thank you very much to Darlene Green for taking the time to talk with us and for sharing her knowledge and gifts with us. If you're interested in learning more about Darlene or her books, In Service to Love, please visit DarleneGreenAuthor.com. I'd also like to take this time to thank Tiana Roser for all the work she does to keep this podcast interesting and going strong, as well as Casey Henson for providing the music. Casey, if you're listening, we've been getting a lot of compliments on the music. For more information about us or to access past episodes, please visit our website, beyondtheillusionpodcast.com. If you're enjoying listening to us, please leave a rating for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. This will help other people find us. Take care. <laughs>